name is Barrett Anderson. I am the COO of Strategic News Service and the Future Interview Conference. And I am here today with Mark Anderson, who is the CEO of SNS, the chair of Future Interview, uh, the founding CEO of Pattern Computer. And he also was responsible for creating the first concept design for the pattern recognition processor. Basically sitting around twiddling his thumbs all day. And we are here to talk about the future of chips. So Mark, tell us, what can we expect from chips in the future? At fire At in fire. 2022. Um, 2022. Uh, so the future of chips was not very interesting to me a few months ago when everyone was panicking because the only question was, why don't we have enough of them? And, and as you've read, everyone's read, we have, depending upon who you ask, Lots of money being poured into the idea of making more chip factories. Intel's doing it, Samsung is doing it, TSMC is doing it, everyone's doing it. And the story was pretty much whatever story you read was like, one of those companies is building a new fab in Arizona or in Texas or in Taiwan or in South Korea, uh, in Intel's case in China, shame on you. And uh, the basic idea looked like they're on the same path as before, call it old school chips. And you know what that basically meant was they're competing over speed, which meant the, the the narrow channel. How narrow was the channel that the electrons have to run through? Mm -hmm. And that was it. That's it. That's the whole game, pretty much. And that's been going on since way, way before most people were born. Long, long time. Chip compatibility. Eighty, eighty-six chip compatible. So that's how everybody made money. Mm -hmm. And more recently, NVIDIA came along and kind of got an idea. We actually helped them, I think, at FIRE a long time ago. We had Jensen Wang on stage and suggested he take his gaming chips and make them into what are now called GPUs, you know, and that worked out really well. But most of the world of chips hasn't done that, and they haven't changed that much. And it occurred to me just recently, maybe a month ago, and I, and, uh, I wrote a piece about this for SNS in the Global Report, that there was more to the story. So I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think that the future of chips is making a two nanometer channel instead of a five or a five instead of a seven. Mm -hmm. As exciting as that may sound, I don't think that's the deal. And rather than that, uh, and I got some of this idea actually by listening to Alex Karp, who's the CEO of Palantir on a briefing he did in California recently. But he, he pointed out something which is true. He said, you know, Everyone's saying China's are ahead of us or they're getting even with us in AI and so on. The fact is no one in the world is even second place compared to America in writing software. Mm -hmm. And that's true. So then you look at chips in a new way. You start saying, well, what had, what's up going on really the bleeding edge right now? It's not at Intel, I'll tell you that. And you know, it might be at Google or it might be at Amazon or it might be at Microsoft or it might be somewhere else. And what's happening is Google is a kind of a good classic example. They took TensorFlow, which was an idea they had. It was a mathematics. They put it into a chip to make their servers run faster in their data center. Good idea. We then, what we were seeing was someone taking software and putting it into, into hardware, into a chip, and making a big cloud difference that was competitive advantage for them. They didn't even sell them. They just used them for themselves. Then Amazon got the same idea. So now Microsoft is doing it with Azure. Okay, I get it. You know, clouds are where the competition's happening and AI is where the competition is happening. But from a further above viewpoint, mathematics is where this stuff's happening. And you can call AI mathematics, which it is. 
And there, there's mathematics. We don't like the word AI. We call it AM now, advanced mathematics, whatever you want to say. Beyond deep learning, beyond deep neural networks, there are all kinds of things that are going to happen in mathematics that will be turned into software code that will then put pressure on chip designers to be included in the hardware. Now, I think that's the new future of chips in one long sentence or whatever paragraph. So um, it's not just what we said, it's not just the old school stuff, it's the new school stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is really exciting because not only is America far, far, far beyond not just China, but everybody in the world in writing software, true, but it's exciting for the industry itself. So instead of like more of the same Intel drudge stuff, sorry, Pat, but you know, that's how it is today. Um, it, there's something exciting in front of us. And you can imagine as we make new mathematics, actually new mathematics, not just better stats or something, but new mathematics, that will become a chip somehow, or that'll be added to chip design. And the result will be, we'll have, I think we'll have very large companies, including the car companies as an example, you know, uh, autonomous flight cars, the whole autonomous world, um, e-cars, and then pressure back into uh, edge devices. And you can look at very large categories of chip sales that are being isolated today by supply chain issues. Right. And that are therefore going to be onshored and then be paid for by these major corporations, not just the old school chip companies. And we're seeing that now. And then maybe taken over by these, by Ford and Toyota and, you know, and then um, every uh, so often, probably quite often, imbued with more and more new mathematics that provide a competitive edge to these companies. This is a completely different story from everything that we've grown up with. Hmm. So I'm not a chip expert, so let me see if I've got this correct. Sure. You are saying that you believe the future of chips is that chips will remain more or less the same nanometer that we have now, or similar and the emphasis will switch into some kind of new software or mathematics being run through that chips to create chip to create greater efficiency. Yes, I mean, there'll be some progress in, in the nanoscale stuff. Um, people will turn to other things like photonics and so on. Right. There are things to do. But what, I'm, what I am saying is what you're saying, Barrett, that the more exciting area will not be in that part of it, but in the idea of a completely new design. Are there a, companies doing this now? Or is this an, an, a novel idea? Well, as I mentioned, TensorFlow is a good example. Mm -hmm. so that happened now. Um, there are chips being made by the cloud companies now. And the, the purpose of that is to make things work better with a new architecture. They're trying to literally incorporate AI and other things into the chips so that they do their jobs better, faster. Mm -hmm. So as they, as they come to the point of agreeing internally that there is a certain mathematics which will really catch on, um, they'll probably embed that into chip design for the cloud. That's happening now. And I think the next step is the one I described. So imagine auto autonomous cars or planes or, um, you know, let's just say that, you know, radar, LIDAR, sonar, cameras are going to be doing mathematics, which are pretty predictable to the degree that they're predictable. That's why Intel bought Mobileye. To the degree that they're predictable, they will then put that into their own chips. So you're gonna have a car line of chips out of Intel. I think that'll be, I don't know what they'll be labeled in terms of a brand name, but they're gonna have that kind of stuff in the chip. And when do you think we're, we'll start to see this becoming more widespread? Well, now. So, you know, it's I've described kind of this midpoint of transition, but it's not. it's certainly not widespread in terms of what you could buy on the shelf. 
Right. That you know you can't really buy those chips from Google yet. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Microsoft or Amazon are trying to sell them to their competitors. They're intended to be uh, proprietary, right? But um, and, and private. But um, that's going to change. So I would guess that what's happening with this onshoring is not just the nanometer stuff in Arizona and in Texas, but that we'll now see. Um, forward making chips in Mexico or in America. And those chips at some point maybe will be sold through Delco to somebody else. You know, I, I think we're gonna see a generalized car kind of thing, which don't depend so much on nanometer size. They depend a lot on being good at uh, autonomous driving. Right. So what, you know, what parts of that can you break out, whether it's cameras and radar and LIDAR and, you know, you could, might sell those to everybody and they might just improve on them with software. So I, I think that's the direction we're going in. So the answer is soon. Soon in the chip world is like three years, you know. But that <laughs> that implies that um, there somebody's thinking about doing this right now. Yeah, yeah. You're and if you're, yeah, if, right. you're, if you're looking at this and you're, you're thinking, okay, as, as I think many of our readers and members are, you're thinking about how do I make a bet on this now mm -hmm. before it gets big? Mm -hmm. Are there folks or companies out there that you think are particularly interesting in this regard, aside from Google and Amazon, which you've mentioned already? Well, the problem with chips is it's hard. It's a really hard business. And there are plenty of chip makers that go out of business because they didn't have enough capital because it just takes a giant amount. Right. A, a fab today, it used to cost what we called an SNS poker chip, which was 2 billion. That's chump change now. Now it's 10 billion or more. So you're not gonna see little guys making chips, but what you will see are little guys doing great designs and then taking them to the big kids who are new in town, like Ford or GM mm -hmm. or you know Boeing or somebody, and they'll finance it. They'll spend the ten billion dollars, uh, and then the question is, will they commercialize it? You know, that's a big question. Will they always stay private in Boeing, or they're gonna, are they going to sell it to other airlines or other aircraft makers? I don't know. But at some point, you're going to get that third generation where it does go out into the public space. And you can buy these. We had a problem with IBM. IBM made the very first pattern recognition processor. It was called True North. A pattern computer wanted to buy them. And before we could get our hands in any, uh, the American Air Force Research Laboratory took, all, took them all over. They, were, they just went off the shelf, never to be seen again. Fun. So I don't think you can buy them today. Yeah. So that's going to be the competition. What will they be made? It'll be, can they be bought? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big question. That's a very interesting distinction. We can do the next global report on that question. We will talk more about this at the upcoming Future in Review conference. There you go. I guarantee it. Come to fire uh, 22. <laughs> you can register for that at the link below this video. You can also join Strategic News Service and read all of our past reports on these issues uh, at the link in, in the uh, comments below. So thank you so much, Mark, and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, Barrett. Thanks, everybody. And join us at FIRE. See you soon.